Thank you, Brother Terry, and thank our praise team, thank our choir, thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. And so I pray the Lord was honored and glorified. Thank you, Brother Joel. I imagine it is a different look from this side from the sound booth. <laughs> they have faces. They really do. They do. <laughs> so, but I appreciate all of those that serve every Sunday in different areas. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to look at part two of sermon I preached last week. Sorry, not sorry. We're going to look first at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 just to refresh our memory. And then those that were not here, kind of includes you, kind of with an introduction, Matt, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And we want to then turn our attention for the remainder of the time, to Mark chapter 6. So 2 Corinthians chapter 7, if you would, we'll read verse 8 through 11. Paul said to the Corinthian church, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were you... But for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed in repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world's worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness is it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge, in all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter." So last week we looked at part one of the message entitled, Sorry, Not Sorry. And in the message I shared how Paul had expressed his concern about a number, uh, about a member of the church there at Corinth who was continuing to live in unconfessed sin and unrepentance. And because of his uh, uh, comments to the church and to this particular individual, uh, the relationship between him and the church, and of course that individual, was strained. But yet, his letter led to repentance. And so he was sorry that they were upset, but then he was not sorry because it had changed a person's life. And so he wrote a letter to the church, reprimanding the church for not addressing the problem. Oftentimes when we see a brother and sister in Christ on the wrong path, uh, we refuse to say anything most of the time, or we don't want to appear judgmental, and so we avoid criticism altogether. Or, if we're not careful, we'll criticize without compassion. However, the Bible teaches that we're to strongly and sternly confront sin, but at the same time with a loving attitude with the goal of reconciliation between that person and God and between us and that person. 
So Paul said, I'm sorry that my confrontation of your sins caused you grief, but I'm not sorry for this confrontation because your grief led you to repentance of sin. So the question is, what do we do when a brother and sister in Christ goes the wrong way, goes down the wrong path? What are some things that we can do that will help us? Or what are some things that we can do to help others, brothers and sisters in Christ, to grow in their sanctification in our becoming more and more like Christ? That's the point. So in Mark chapter 6, we read about a person, we'll read again, about King Herod, Mark chapter 6. And we'll look, if you will, we'll look at uh, Mark chapter 6, and we'll go to verse um, uh, 14, I guess. All right, look at verse 12. Verse 12, if you got that. Verse 12. <clears throat> and uh, we went down to about verse 20 last week, and so we want to go down to about verse 23 this time as far as the sermon goes. But listen, if you will. And they went out and they preached that men should repent, that Jesus and the disciples. And when they cast out, and they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil, and many were sick and healed. And when King Herod heard of him, speaking of John, uh, speaking of Jesus, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works did show forth themselves in him. So when he heard of these miracles, he said, "Hey, John the Baptist." He had John the Baptist on his heart, on his mind. For a particular reason, you'll see that. Verse 15, others said it's Elijah. Others said that it's a prophet or one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It's John whom I beheaded. He's risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold on John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he'd married her. For John had said unto Herod, It's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias, his wife, had a quarrel against him, had a quarrel against John, and would have had him killed, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man, a holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things, and he heard him gladly. So he kind of liked this preacher by the name of John. He, he, God was using John to speak to Herod. Verse 21, And when a convenient day was come, that Herod was on his birthday, made a supper to his lords, his captains, his chief estates of Galilee. When, his, when the daughter of said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod, and then sat down with him, the king said to the damsel, Ask whatever you will, and I'll give it to you. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I'll give it thee. And to half, up to half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway and hastened to the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by thy charge, or what you sworn to do, the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet his oath, remember, he liked this guy. So he was sorry for what he had told this young lady. And yet for his own sake, verse 26, for their sake which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king said an executioner commanded his head to be brought, and they went, beheaded him in prison, brought his head in a charger, 
gave it to the damsel. The damsel gave it to the mother. Nobody wanted it then, you know. She gives it, they give it to the girl, and she gives it to the mother, and the mother takes it, you know. When the disciples heard of it, they came, they took up the course, the corpse, and they laid it to rest. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts, I pray. Give me understanding of this passage. Give us understanding of your passage as the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us. Father, I pray this morning that we can evaluate our lives, allow the Spirit to speak to our hearts. Those that may be, for whatever reason, on the wrong path, friends of ours, brothers and sisters in Christ, give us the encouragement, give us the courage. We pray to assist them, to help them as brothers, sisters of one another, that they can continue to grow, Lord, in their sanctification, becoming more like you. Help us, we pray, to examine our hearts and lives today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do you avoid getting on the wrong path? How do you help someone who is on the wrong path where we all can maintain this, this, our growth and sanctification and becoming more like Jesus? I mentioned last week, just in review, number one, don't avoid the things that are not okay. You have a little outline for you. Don't avoid the things that are not okay. You must deal with unresolved issues. Don't avoid negative issues in your life. If you want to live like Christ, be like Christ, you've got to deal with those negative issues. Hebrews 13.1, if you remember, simply says, Let brotherly love continue. The Bible teaches that we become one of another. We're supposed to be concerned of each other. We need to love the person, our brothers and sisters in Christ, enough to let them know that, uh, uh, that they're on the wrong path and there is the law of harvest. Remember that? Look, if you will, at Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, something you don't want to forget. Verse 7, Galatians 6, verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall be of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so we want to be careful. We want to let others know, those that we're concerned about, that there is a harvest time. So if you sow conflict in your marriage then you're going to reap a marriage breakdown. You're going to reap, separ reap uh, separ uh, separation. You're going to reap uh, divorce. You're going to reap a breakdown of your marriage. If you sow uh, uh, substance abuse, then you're going to reap addiction. If you sow gossiping, if you sow criticism, you're going to reap loneliness later in life. No one wants to be around you. No one wants to have anything to do with you. So therefore... We are members of one another. I should love you enough. You should love me enough to risk. I need to risk myself to try to get to you and get, to you, get you to a place better spiritually when I see you go off the path. And you should feel that same way about me. Now, you, have, um, you may think right now that things are going good. You may be off the path. May no one... That's just might be a secret that you have. No one knows about it, you think. You may think things are going well. But just remember, we reap in a different season. 
It's not always immediately. It'll come later. And so, uh, in, in actuality, if you're off the path, things are not fine. Things are not as great as you think they are. Things are not okay. You haven't gotten away with anything. Harvest time, the law of the harvest will come, and it comes in a different season. So in order to get on the right path, we have to deal with unresolved issues. We have to avoid those things in our lives, deal with those things that will hinder our growth in the Lord Jesus. And as believers of one another, we have to help one another to avoid those things that are not okay. okay. So in order to get on the right path personally, We have to uh, deal with unresolved issues in our life. If you will, jot this down. I listed this. In order to get on that right path, we must not minimize spiritual truth. We must not minimize spiritual truth. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 20. Look what Herod did. Verse 20 says, For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things, and he heard him gladly. Now notice, he feared John. Herod observed John. Better word is he, he, he liked John. He, he, uh, he enjoyed John. He, he liked to listen to John. The King James says he observed, he preserved, he, he, one translation said he protected John. He, know, he knew that he was a righteous man, he knew that he was a holy man. The Christian Standard Version says when Herod heard him, speaking of John, he was perplexed and yet he liked to listen to him. The NIV says he was greatly puzzled, but he liked to listen to him. He liked this guy. He liked this preacher. Herod was perplexed. He found John interesting. He liked the guy. He really did like to listen to him. He liked to listen to him, but he didn't like him enough to heed what he was saying. You shouldn't have your brother's wife. But he liked to listen to him. John said, you shouldn't have your brother's wife because it's unlawful. It's not right. But notice verse 20, he heard him gladly. He just liked to, he liked to listen. And sometimes we can convince ourselves that listening to God's Word is enough. All I have to do is listen. That's all I have to do. Some say, well, I sat through it. Some say, well, I heard it. I listened to it. I heard the whole thing. I mean, after church today, I'll even tell the preacher, I enjoyed the sermon. That was a good sermon. They listened gladly. But if you have an opportunity to talk to Herod, and you would say to Herod, Herod, you're an adulterous, incestuous man. What are you going to do about that? Don't you think you need to examine yourself? What are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go listen to John. I like the guy. I really like listening to John preach. I'm going to go hear him again. I really like to hear him preach. I like that kind of stepping on your toe type of preaching. I like that type of that uh, hell and, and brimstone type of preaching. I like to hear that. Now, do you know from time to time... 
We have similar scenarios in our church in that you have one person, you have a spouse who is listening to the Word of God, who is hearing the Word of God, who is moving somewhat closer to having a relationship with Jesus or moving somewhat closer in their relationship with Jesus, totally growing in the Word of God, being discipled, actually involved, then all of a sudden the other spouse resents the influence of the preacher, resents the influence of the Sunday school teacher, resents the influence of perhaps a deacon, resents the influence of a ministry team that that person is serving, and they begin to set in place gossip and criticism, and they want to destroy the spiritual source that's enlightening or encouraging their spouse. That's what Herodias did. And I see that happen, and believe me, in 41 years I've seen that happen time and time and time and time again, where the, people, the couple literally leaves the church simply because one, one just wants to have dominance over the other person and don't want anything to come between them and what they have in regards to that other person. And I see that happen from time to time. Wanting to be the only person who gets the influence in their spouse's life. And that's what's happening here. With Herodias. Herodias is going to take from Herod the only possible source of spiritual enlightenment, the only possible source of spiritual nourishment that Herod has. She's going to take down John's preacher. And everybody sees it happening. Remember what we're trying to do? Brothers helping brothers and sisters helping sisters. And everybody sees this happening, but nobody's saying anything and nobody's doing anything. So make a note to get back on the right path personally or to help a brother and sister. First of all, we don't want to avoid the things that are not okay in our lives. Was it okay for him to have a road to, to divorce his other wife? No. Was it okay for him to marry his brother's wife? No. And so to get on the right track, then we have to deal with those unresolved issues in our lives. Secondly, we cannot minimize spiritual truth. Just hearing it. Just hearing it. Not just liking it, but not doing anything about it. Herod, your wife is fixing to murder your preacher. What are you going to do about that? I think I'll just go hear John. I want to hear him preach again. The Bible has a lot to say about just listening to the Word and not doing the Word. James says, don't be just hearers of the Word, but be you doers of the Word. So to get back on the right path or to help someone else, don't avoid those uh, uh, unresolved issues, things that are not okay, verses 17 through 19. Don't minimize spiritual truth, verse 20. And then don't excuse... Don't excuse uh, safe sins. I call that 
safe sins because you feel like they're, they're really not going to matter. Don't, don't excuse safe sins. Look at verse 21. 21 says, And when a convenient day was come, at Herod, on his birthday, made a supper to his lords and his captains and chief estates, Galilee. And so you have this birthday party. I mean, it's a, it's a birthday. It's not like a family birthday where you'd go to your grandchildren's birthday or you all have your children's birthday. It's not where you wear funny hats and blow the little horns type of birthday. It was, it's really, you know, it's, it's really a, a stag party. It, it's really a, a men's only party. It's, it's one of those where you have female entertainment. Harry Ironside former pastor of Moody Church, in, in his book in 1948, he said it was a pagan festival that began with alcohol, continues with perversion, and will conclude with murder. That's some kind of party. That's what was shaping up. And then you have Herodotus' daughter. History tells us, history records her name was Salome, and she goes in and she dances in front of Herod. Now, it's not just a, it's not, it's not a ballroom dance, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a square dance, and it's not a polka. It's not one of those kind of calm dances to some degree, but it was an exotic dance that she's doing in front of the king. The point of, he had no business looking at his wife's daughter, who was his niece, who was his stepdaughter, who was the daughter of his brother. And she was so ple- he was so pleased with her dancing. Look at verse 23. Verse 22, and the daughter of said Herodias came in, Salome, and she danced and pleased her, and then, he, and then sat down with him, the king, and said unto the damsel, Ask me whatever thou wilt, and I'll give it to you. And she swear, and he swear unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee up to the half of my kingdom. So he was so pleased with her dancing, he just kindly went nuts. I like what James MacDonald said. He said this, the longer you fixate on temptation, the more likely it is that you're going to give in to it. The longer you hang around it, the longer you fixate upon it, think about it, expose yourself to it, more likely you're going to give in to it. But people justify their, their, their sensual desires. And he went ahead and said this. MacDonald said this. He said, sometimes people will say, and I've heard every one of these, it's no big deal. It's not hurting anyone. No one's getting hurt. It's not causing any harm. Heard these? I can handle it. I can dabble and not die. I can, I can shut it off anytime. I can, how about this one, I can quit anytime. I can quit any time. And as a pastor of 41 years, let me just say, I've heard every one of these, and none of them are true. None of them are true. Instead of pulling back, I found this to be true, instead of pulling back, when you get to the edge of the cliff, 
you accelerate. And what you intended to stop and quit and pull back and not hurt anyone, you accelerate. And because you don't pull away from temptation, keep fixating on it, because you don't pull away from locations where you shouldn't be, because you don't pull away from your partners in sin, where you should change friends, all of a sudden when you think you can pull away, you accelerate and you go over the cliff unintended. The point is, if we're going to be brothers and sisters one to another and members of one another, we have to see the warning signs and be there for one another. Amen? Amen? Amen. So what are the signs? People avoiding things that are not okay, failing to take care of, of issue resolutions. A sign people minimizing spiritual truth. A sign exceeding, excusing safe sins, saying that I can handle it and it's not going to hurt anyone. It's not going to, I can dabble in it. It's okay. I know when to quit and all the others listed. So we have to be there. We have to notice these. We have to step up. I love you, my brother. I love you, my sister. But I'm here because I love you. I'm trying to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. I'm trying to see you grow in your sanctification. You need to be careful because there's a harvest time. There's a law of the harvest. And you need to be careful. You need to repent. You need to come back to where you once were. And so with all that said in closing this morning, where are you? I mean, are you avoiding issues that you need to deal with? Those unresolved issues? Are, are there things in your life? Are there people in your life, issues in your life that you know that are not okay? Herod, Herod has his brother's wife. Was that okay? No, that wasn't okay. But John loved him enough and was concerned enough that he went to him and said, Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herod would find out that she wasn't good for him. She was contemplating of removing his preacher friend out of his life, his source of spiritual nourishment and enlightenment the only word he was hearing from god so the point is warning signs that are saying that that you're on the wrong path you know you you need to avoid those unresolved issues maybe this morning you're minimizing spiritual truths so to get to the right path you must convince yourself that listening is not enough. What are you going to do about it? I mean, you have to act upon what you hear. This morning, the invitation is going to be given. What are you going to do about it? It's your move. It's your decision. Your life at this time is in your hands. Can't blame anyone. You can't blame God. You can't blame anyone. It's in your hands. It's your move. You have to act upon what you hear. You have to listen. You set through it. Then what are you going to do about it? 
So where are you? Are you avoiding unresolved issues? Are you minimizing spiritual truth? Are you excusing your so-called self-sin or safe sins? Let me just say, let me say this. There's no such thing as a safe sin. The Bible just says the wages of sin is death. Now that's not to the lost or not. That's just that's not just to the lost. That's to everybody. If you dilly dally around in sin, it's going to kill you physically and it's going to destroy you spiritually. And if you're a believer and dilly dally around in sin, you'll go to heaven quicker. It's no such thing as safe sin. So this morning you're thinking, you know, no big deal. I can handle it. I can stop. I can cut it off. Remember, the longer you fixate on temptation, the more likely you're going to give into it. But God always provides. Listen, He always provides a way of escape. There's a way out. It's not hopeless. You're never hopeless as long as God is God and He'll always be God. You're never hopeless. And so, if you're at the point of decision, go with God. Because He loves you, He's created you for a purpose, He wants the best for you, and He wants to pour His grace, His forgiveness, His mercy upon you. If you haven't been saved, then today is your day of salvation. Why would you delay? Why would you delay in coming and repenting of things that have gone too far? Why would you delay in knowing that... that uh, You've disappointed the one who loved you the most and come and repent and come back to him as a believer. Why would you delay in doing that? Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for an opportunity we've had just to look again as we continue to follow this passage of Scripture in Herod's life. And so, Father, I pray for each person this morning. And I pray, Lord, that we'll begin to evaluate our life that we'll, people that are here that need to deal with uh, um, issues in their life they haven't dealt with, they need to deal with it today. And Father, we, we know that there, there's times that we will minimize Scripture and we'll hear it preached and taught and we'll go on our merry way yet to, to, to reap the negative result of not obeying your word, just hearing it. So help us to be faithful in obedience to your word. And then for the secret sins and those that we think are safe sins, we pray that today you've convicted of, uh, of those and, and, Father, that we would repent of any of those that we have in our life. Lord, we want to be more like you every day. We want to grow in our sanctification. And help us begin today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's